if we didn't do it every day, it would have never happened. It's all about the consistency. The thing with a blogger or a podcaster for any of the other people that are listening who might be thinking of diving into that this space too is is that a lot of people quit right before they make it to the finish line. Blogging is such a weird thing. It's like in podcasting, it's so weird. You know, you just do it and you do it and you do it. And you might not necessarily see any return on that for a long time. But all I can say is, is at some point you reach the tipping point. Now there's a return on it. But I think a lot of people quit before they make it there. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Frank Garay. Frank is a co-host of the daily video blog, The National Real Estate Post, that's been running for the past 12 years. He'll be sharing his experiences with content marketing and how being consistent in anything you do will lead to enormous results. We also talk about how to consistently come up with new content, to share, and how to add value to other people. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday. Enjoy. I'm so happy to have you on our show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and how you got into real estate. Okay, great, Sean. Thanks. My name is Frank Gray. First and foremost, I would say I'm the co-host of the National Real Estate Post. Uh, you can see the National Real Estate Post at thenationalrealestatepost.com. That's really easy, but it's a daily video blog. Uh, that I've been doing with my partner, Brian Stevens. It'll be 12 years on July 2nd. And in that blog, what we talk about is the real estate industry as a whole. So uh, if you're a real estate investor, it's actually a good blog to watch because that's all we talk about every day. And we poke fun at it and we call people out and you know pick on po- politicians and do all that fun stuff that, that you know a good blogger should. That podcast or that blog has a subscribership of about 250,000 real estate mortgage professionals across the country. Um, we fly around the country on a regular basis, get flown around to teach and train and coach uh, real estate and lending professionals. Also, through the podcast or the, or the video blog, we became part owners of a, of a real estate technology company. And this is technology that's used by real estate agents to get more business, basically. One product is called Listing Booster. But another product that's really kind of fun is something called Keyboom, which is the world's only fully interactive property search channel on TV. And we did that. We accomplished that by uh, putting a property search channel in the streaming space. If you're familiar with the streaming space, that's Roku, Amazon Fire Stick, Apple TV, these streaming devices. And they're just smart TVs that connect to the Internet. But the product is called Keyboom, K-E-Y-B-O-O-M. It's a property search channel. And uh, 1.6 million listings are there. You can search properties right from the comfort of your couch with your family uh, on the TV. So that's been that's been a lot of fun. My partner and I were featured in the Inman 100, which is the top 100 most influential people in real estate by Inman, Inman News. Uh, that was back in 2010. And then uh, we've also been featured on After the Bell, which is a Fox News show with Liz Clayman as real estate experts multiple times. multiple, And that's always been fun. It's fun to go on on national TV like that. It's kind of weird. They do it. And they do it. They got a studio in Sacramento and they got one in San Francisco and you go in there and it's Super intimidating. <laughs> is it live? It is. It's live. Yeah, it's live. And and you can't see them or anything. You've just got this little earbud sticking in your ear. And there's a little delay. And you're trying to pay attention to what's being said in your little earbud. You know, and then you're trying to respond as intelligently as possible. 
<laughs> so yeah, that's a little background on who I am. I got now, so what I've been licensed since 1987. And um, my wife retired from the state of California a couple of years ago and has, she's been licensed for a long time and started picking up selling part-time uh, fairly recently. But now that the companies are kind of running or kind of on autopilot, I've really been intrigued about just diving into the the actual sales aspect of real estate. So I've, I've started my new blog, which you saw, which is called Vacaville Real Estate News. I live in Vacaville. So I'm doing a real estate blog for the city of Vacaville. I started it April 30th. I started posting in there, uh, sharing socially on May 10th. So I started posting April 30th and on May 10th, I wanted to have a few posts in there before I started getting the word out. So started releasing my, my daily posts. I post every day, started releasing those uh, on May 10th and uh, uh, it's already, it's already doing well, but I know how to do it. I mean, I'm, I've been a professional blogger for 12 years, so I'm, I'm good at it, you know. That's me. That's who I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, how did you even get into doing a daily video blog, especially 12 years ago when that was not very common at all? No. In fact, YouTube was YouTube was around. It had not yet been bought by Google, right? Google bought them, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, um, it was just in the, the beginning stages when we started. And what, what happened was, is that was the mortgage meltdown. That was 2007. And that's when things started really just exploding in the mortgage and real estate industry. And it was just a matter of desperation. It was I started sending a little video to my salespeople. I was I owned a mortgage branch and I had about 50 loan officers working for me. And I and I had been in the industry now for you know almost 20 years and I'd been through tough markets, but I wanted to coach my people that were working for me on how to get through this really hard market. But you can't really wrestle 50 people that are spread around 50 mile radius together for sales meetings very easily. So I just kind of stumbled on, well, I'll make a little short video and I'll send it to my guys and hopefully they'll get something from that. It didn't really help. I mean, the, the company got absorbed by the parent company and all that. But what came out of it was, is this daily communication that I was doing originally just for my loan officers uh, became something that started spreading and going viral. And we did one video, Sean, it was about the IndyMac deal. Um, it was one West Bank bought uh, IndyMax assets from the FDIC back during the crash, and they got a sweetheart deal where no matter no matter what IndyMac did, they couldn't lose. Or one West Bank, I'm sorry, one West Bank. No matter what they did, they couldn't lose. It was a money making deal for them. No matter how they cut it, if they kept the people in the house or if they foreclosed on the people, it didn't matter. They were making gajillions of dollars, and we did a video on that. And that video alone got over 20 million views. It, it wow. really it really registered with not only the industry people, but with the consumers at large. In fact, the FDIC had to do a press release on us saying that we were all full of full of crap, you know, that our video was a bunch of lies and it wasn't true. And it was a press release by the FDIC on me. <laughs> so that one really kind of propelled us into the industry eye and then also a lot into the consumer eye as well. So it was an interesting time. And how did you decide to do it every single day and be consistent about it? That was me. Uh, I was desperate to, to motivate my originators. And I did my first video and I, it was funny. You know, I, I made sure I wanted to always make it have some humor because nobody wants to watch a boring video. Right. So I tried my best to make it funny. And I'm a musician. I play guitar in a couple of bands, you know, but I also ironically play in a hillbilly band. And um, I play the jaw harp, you know, the, you know, a little funny thing you play with your mouth. I play it pretty good too, Sean, just so you know. And so I did a little skit with my first one was July 2nd, 2007. I'm playing the jaw harp and I'm singing a song. 
And I'm going, ain't got no loans. What'll I do? Ain't got no loans. So I'm singing the song. And my brother, who was working for me at the time, is behind me with these big white pieces of paper that had big letters written on them like, get off your ass. Do something. Pick up the phone. You know, and so it was this funny little thing that was two minutes long. And it went crazy. Like the people, they loved it and stuff. So I, I called my business partner that afternoon. I go, did you see that crazy video? He goes, yeah. I go, dude, I think I could do this every day. And he goes, you're out of your mind. I go, no, I can do it. And so I just made it a point every day to come in and start and shoot a video about the mortgage industry and real estate industry and what's going on. And primarily in the beginning, it was for my loan originators. But after that, it just took off. And then my my current business partner, my brother had to quit after six months. He had to get a real job. But uh, in the brokerage that I was working for, there was another guy in there that my broker at the time said, this this guy, should you should partner with him. His name's Brian Stevens. And it's a funny story because I said, Brian, he goes, yeah, I go, but I hate that guy. And he goes, he goes, yeah, he doesn't like you either, but you guys are stupid. You're perfect for each other. I'm friends with both of you. Trust me, you'll do well together. So I asked him and he reluctantly agreed to start shooting the show with me. And here we are 12 years later and we've done just crazy, amazing things because of that video blog. Just, it's been quite a fascinating, thrilling adventure for us. Partnership made in heaven. It, yeah. So how's that daily video helped you out with your business? Are you still, were you still doing mortgage loans? I was in the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning, I, I was able to stop in around 2008. And uh, Brian, I think, was able to stop around 2008 as well, where we decided we were going to just go full time doing the blog itself. And um, it was scary and it was difficult because the blog wasn't making that much money. You know, we helped the, the mortgage company that we were at. Through our inspiration with them, we helped them develop a product to sell to mortgage loan officers that quickly uh, did fairly well. So there was enough money in that product to justify us getting money because we're the ones that got it launched. We have the mortgage eyeballs to launch this product. So it was, it was able to launch quickly. So they were paying us a small amount of money you know, for, for a while. Then eventually we had to part ways with them and had to kind of fend on our own. We parted ways with them because in our video blog, we, you know, we don't hold back on any politicians or government agencies. We, we kick them in the ball, Sean, when we feel like they need to be kicked in the balls. Well, the problem with that is there was a mortgage company that quote unquote owned us. And here we are kicking the nads of all these government agencies. And they were like, we just can't have you guys doing this here anymore. Like, we don't want these agencies coming after us because you guys are talking all this smack about them. So we had to part ways. And when we parted ways, all we got to take with us, we didn't get to take any of that product. All we got to take with us was our name. No, not even name. We had to change the name. Was uh, was our database, was our viewers. And so we had to do a name change and find a way to make it in the blogging world. And we did. You know, we did. That's amazing. Because, you know, I have this platform here, a podcast I post twice a week. I think that's a lot. And I'm wondering, you know, my main source of income was flipping homes. Yeah. Right. And I'm always thinking, like, how can I use this platform to do something more? And I have no idea. How did you yeah. guys make a daily blog more, I guess, financially lucrative than originating loans? Yeah. Well, you know, you got to get the eyeballs that you're after, which you're obviously doing. Right. And I don't know how long. How long have you been doing it? When did you start this this podcast? You know, I've only done it really seriously since January. So I'm oh, on episode so, yeah. like 60 or so. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just getting started. Yep. So as long as you're providing value for real estate investors, um, you know, that, I mean, you're looking to actually do flips, right? So for you, it's not only providing value to the, the real estate investor, because you could certainly, 
you know, I don't know, network with other other investors, I'm sure, to cross-sell each other in certain ways to where you can make some money off that. But also if you can provide some sort of interesting value to people who might be in a position where they feel like they have to have to get rid of their home, you know, where where people can say, hey, Sean, I need to dump this house. I need you to help me with, with it, you know. So, I mean, that's kind of what you need to do, you know, and also if, 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 if you've got a good enough audience, what you'd be looking at is to train real estate investors, right? So teaching real estate people how to become flippers, how to become real estate investors. And if you can teach that, there's opportunities to monetize that, right? Mm -hmm. Because now they, people will pay you to learn from you. If they're paying attention to you on a regular basis, they, at some point will go, yeah, I want Sean to teach me. I'll, I'll buy the course or I'll attend the webinar or or whatever the case may be. So it's a matter of just gathering eyeballs, Sean. That's what it is. And it's just, right. and the only way to do that is just, just brutal, brutal consistency and just never stopping ever. I mean, every day for 12 years, that's, that's crazy. Every so day. Is that ultimately what you guys were doing? Like you guys start providing a lot of value, started yeah. training people and whatnot. Yeah. We just did it every day, every day, every day, every day. And, um, you know, it just caught on, caught on, caught on and people subscribe and people watch us every day to this day. You know, people watch wow. us every single day. And if we didn't do it every day, it would have never happened. It's all about the consistency. The thing with a blogger or a podcaster for any of the other people that are listening who might be thinking of diving into that this space too is is that a lot of people quit right before they make it to the finish line. You know, they because it's so blogging is such a weird thing. It's like in podcasting, it's so weird. You know, you just do it and you do it and you do it, and you might not necessarily see any return on that for a long time. But all I can say is, is at some point you reach the tipping point, you know, where all of a sudden now there's return on it. But I think a lot of people quit, you know, before they make it there and they might've been right there on the, on the edge of it, you know, and a lot of people quit after their second or third post. So that's true. <laughs> you're, you're way ahead of the, of the, of the, of the curve, you know, over the crowd out there, you know, if you got 60 posts, you're like, way out. you're doing great. You know? So, I mean, obviously you're super impressive because the first iteration of this podcast was me talking, trying to do something similar, maybe not daily, but weekly or biweekly. But honestly, after 20 episodes, I ran out of things to talk about. That's why I have guests on my show now, because I don't know, I don't know that much at all, but everyone else knows so much more. Sure. How do you come up with content to talk about something every single day for 12 years? That's a great question. And just so you know, we do interviews too. So sometimes uh, we lean on interviews, right? Like we'll, we'll probably do, oh, I don't know, four interviews a month. You know, so like once a week, we'll do an interview and we kind of call those mail-ins. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, we got an interview. That's an easy one, you know, but what we do, and this is certainly something that you can do or anybody else who's interested in the space is um, just search all the news sites you can possibly search about the space that you're in. So there's a lot of stuff out there on the, on the web, you know, about flipping and, you know, investing and, and that sort of thing. The other thing I'd recommend too is get a new Twitter account, a brand new one, and don't worry about anybody following you. It's not about you following anybody. Just use it to follow all these news sources and interesting other people that talk about the subject matter that you want to talk about, right? Flipping and real estate investing. You follow news feeds and people so that every day you just look on your Twitter feed and just see who's talking about what. And when you see something, understand that what we've done for 12 years is we certainly have definitely had our own stories where we had, you know, hundred percent journalistic rights to it, where it was completely our story. But 95% of the time we're just reading what's going on in the news and then editorializing on it. 
So a perfect example of that is what you found of mine was where I talked about marijuana and real estate, right? And so I found an article that I thought was interesting, and then I just editorialized on it. And I talked about the article. Does that make sense? And then, but I link to the article. I give credit where credit's due. I don't try, I don't plagiarize anything, but it's perfectly fine to editorialize something. So when you find some information, it's just you giving your opinion about what somebody else has written, if, if that makes sense. Ah, this guy wrote about this. Here's my thoughts on it. Here's my opinion about it, right? And here's a link back to it if you want to check it out. But here's my thoughts and my opinion. And it's your thoughts and your opinions that wind up mattering to, to your viewers. Yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, by doing it this way, you basically have an unlimited amount of resources because unlimited. Twitter is you know, it's, it's internet. There's so much information out there. Speed out every single yeah. day. Just yeah. follow the right people. Follow the right thing. Follow the things that pertain to what you're, what you're podcasting about. Follow those people or those news sites or those, you know, the National Association of Realtors is on there. You know, I follow them. Housing Wire is on there. I follow them. Uh, there's multiple publications and websites that talk about this stuff every day. And all I do is editorialize on it. Just give my opinion about it. Yeah. So actually, that's the reason why I wanted to bring you on in the first place yeah. was because I saw your article on that Facebook group and it was talking yeah. about how marijuana, how I guess the legalization federally of marijuana could help the real estate industry because now you have all this money from marijuana and now it's legalized. Now they can use that money and yada, yada, yada. Did you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. Well, the, the article itself was, everybody knows this. So we'll just, just say it though. The fact that marijuana is legal in California is one thing, but it's not legal federally. Right. So mm -hmm. there's issues there. Okay. And where the issues really come into play is banking. So most banks you know, especially if they're federally insured banks, right, FDIC banks, they're not going to allow money to come into the bank that is generated from marijuana, okay, because federally, it's still considered to be an illegal substance, right? So the banks won't accept that. Well, here, the big fat problem is, is, you know, it's generating literally billions of dollars a year in California already, let alone the other states that are that are that have legalized it. So there's all this money that's being generated uh, on a state level with marijuana that's cash, Sean. I mean, people are running around with, you know, buckets full of cash and safes filled to the brim with cash. And, you know, it's completely impractical. There's an industry of people who have to take money from the safe from dispensaries into a different safe in a bank because it can't just put it into the bank account. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it causes a big problem. So anyway, so the state of California is finding ways, you know, what they're trying to do is get it through state chartered banks, give the pot industry in California a mechanism to get the get the money into the banking system. And so with that in mind, well, that that creates a lot of opportunity, especially in the real estate world, because let's be honest, a lot of these companies and individuals who own these companies, you know, that are growing pot in the state are making an enormous amount of money. Do you think these guys want to invest in some real estate? You bet you're dushy they want to invest in real estate. Outside of real estate, there's probably nothing that you can invest in. You know what I mean? You can sure you can play in the stock market. That's stressful as hell. You know what I mean? I mean, a lot of people would love to invest in real estate, right? Because it's solid. It's there over time. It's always going to do well for you. You get the depreciation write-off 
for goodness sake, on your taxes. Plus, you get the appreciation of the property itself. You know, you get the rental income if you're renting it out. And so now what this is going to do is if these these if these pot moguls, you know, in the state of California can now start entering into the banking system where they can, you know, it's pretty hard to show up at an escrow to buy a, you know, a flipper home with a with a bag full of hundreds. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yep. not going to happen. It can't happen. It has to go through the banking system. Right. Well, now, you know, if this gets passed and, you know, there's some banking gets opened up to the budding, no pun intended, uh, pot industry. <laughs> Right. Then, you know, there's going to be big opportunity for real estate. There's going to be big opportunities for it. Even if you wanted to own a dispensary and the state has approved marijuana, that doesn't mean your city has. You know, that doesn't mean your county has. Right. You still have trouble even leasing a space. So, you know what most guys got to do? They got to build their own. They got to build their own dispensary. You know what I mean? But if it gets if the banking system comes into play and the money can start moving through banks and 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 that sort of thing. Now, even the dispensary side becomes easier. You know, everything becomes easier for them and everything becomes documented and traceable. Right. And trackable and taxable. You know, now I'm not saying, you know, all the pot growers and dispensary guys out there are crooks trying to, you know, cheat a little on their taxes. But all I'm saying is, is if you're dealing in bags of money every day, it's a lot easier to cheat on your taxes than if you're not. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? That's right. So, you know. That's that's the deal. And so that's what I wrote about. And I saw that that came from uh, that article was actually published in my local newspaper, the back of the reporter. And they they actually took that article from somewhere else, uh, another state paper or something and kind of editorialized on it. And then I took theirs and editorialized on it and put a real estate spin on it. And there you go. Now I'm talking to you. Perfect. Well, let's go for a quick example. So you read an article about how California is helping the marijuana industry get legalized federally so that they can put their money into the banking system or something to that nature. Right. So your spin on it, your editorialized version is that you just added more components about how that can help real estate. Yes. Okay. That's basically it, huh? Yeah. Easy. That's it. How does that apply to me? How does that apply to real estate? And it does apply to real estate big time. Right. I think in my opinion, I mean, wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah. I mean, it's honestly just a extra source of funds. It's like when money from somewhere out of the country comes in, like from China. Yes. Boom. Now real estate goes up, right? Prices go up. You're exactly right. There's all this money that can't be spent. They're sitting on barrels and truckloads of dollar bills that they can't do anything. You know, if it was in the banking system, think they'd buy some real estate? Heck yeah. They'd be buying real estate. They'd be buying plots of land, putting buildings up there, making bigger grow sites. They'd be building bigger dispensaries, better dispensaries, and they'd be buying houses. They'll go, they'll go out there and say, I've got all this money now. I'm wealthy from my marijuana business. What am I going to do with it? I'm going to go do some flipping. You know, I'm going to go invest in some real estate. That's what's going to happen. But, you know, we'll see how soon. Yeah, we'll see how soon. Yeah. Have you seen any other interesting articles recently or something that you've probably seen and written about? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me let me just take a peek here because I there was something, was it even today that I was talking about? Oh, yeah, this is, uh, today's article was really, really interesting on my blog. So what I was talking about here is the the National Association of Real, Realtors cited a survey that was done by Chase Home Lending and the survey was of a thousand millennials, right? And what they were asking them is, 
about homeownership and that type of stuff, right? And it's interesting. The article was, now I wonder what you think about this, Sean. So the article says that, and the survey says that 70% of millennials out there um, say that they're willing to cut back on expenses, all right, if it means that it will help them buy a house in the next 12 months. Yeah, seems accurate. Is that not right? <laughs> well, that's what they said. Do you feel say, feel that's probably fairly accurate? Well, see, I have my house. It's kind of hard to say. And I do yeah. have, like house hacks. So basically my cost of living is almost zero. Yeah. But I look at my friends who are looking to buy a house in the very near future. Yeah. And absolutely, they are willing to cut all expenses. They like, they're willing to go back home and live with their parents for a few see, Now months. that's, that's what happens. I mean, that's, and that, that's a big, big thing that's going on in the country right now. And there's many articles on that if you wanted mm-hmm. to look into that, but you've got, you definitely have that. You've got millennials moving back home to save money to buy a house. Is, is, is what you got. So I thought that was interesting. It was some other stuff too. Oh, one of the things that uh, the stuff that they said they're willing to cut back on are like, you know, eating out and, um, you know, uh, spa days and, and things like that. And I know that that could be met with some resistance, like, well, what's that really going to save you? But, you know, if you're a married couple and you work professionally somewhere, right, most of the time uh, you're not bringing your lunch you know what I mean? To work, right? Now, if, if both of you are, are going out to lunch every day, right? And the workforce, um, you know, what's a lunch going to cost? I mean, a, a lunch is for one person, even if you're on the cheap, is going to cost you 15 bucks, right? right? Something like that, 20 bucks. You know, you think about that, you do the math, the married couple, if they just didn't go out to lunch during work, you know what I mean? For a year, it's going to be seven, $8,000 saved in their pocket. You know, that goes a long way for a first time home buyer, somebody trying to buy, buy a house. So that's true. Um, the, the funny thing, though, about it was, is that when it comes to uh, not eating out, the women far surpassed the men. The, the women, like 73 percent of them were all for it, like like 40 percent of the men were for it. So they're not really big on that one. But um, I think the most encouraging thing about the article that I found interesting is that um, it, it says that I'll, here, I'll quote it here. It says that I wrote here, the article closes by noting that 52% of millennial first time home buyers feel like they're financially ready to buy a home right now. I thought that was pretty interesting. I didn't think I wouldn't have thought that it would have been that high. I bet there's a lot of parents out there who want to kick those people out of their house right now if they're ready to buy. <laughs> and, uh, it says 93% of millennials surveyed said that, uh, home ownership is on the horizon and they're excited and hopeful about the home buying process. Another interesting thing now being a flipper, this might, I don't, you know, uh, you know, you're not, you're not a licensed agent, right, Sean? I have a license. Yes, you do. So, um, so, but another interesting thing in the, in the survey was that millennials really truly do want to talk about the, the, the home buying process, like a very high percentage of them are curious and want to learn and want to understand what that process is. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, knowing that, you know, there's some fodder, you know, for, for your, for your cast, you know what I mean? Learn, you know, is there a way to help those people who are seeking information, learn it? Oh, the other thing too was, they said that they really want to learn if possible from their friends. So you know, it's not necessarily, you know, I think with millennials, you know, I'm 57. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer, right? So, you know, with millennials, I always think, well, everything has to be on an app for them or everything, you know, has to be in the cloud. You know, there's, they don't talk to people anymore. And, um, 
that's not the case. You know, they just want to talk. They just want to talk to the, to the right people. Like this is one of the biggest purchases that they're going to make in their lives. Right. right. It's a scary, scary number, especially for people in the Bay Area. Houses here on the cheap side, 800. Yeah. 800 grand. Insane. You know? Starter houses, like home homes, single family homes. Yeah. 1.1, 1.2. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Okay. And yeah, they're going to want some kind of consultation from a friend. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and honestly, like the research part though, they don't, they don't ask the uh, buyer's agents, oh, drive me to this house. Show me three places. No, no. They do all their own research. Yeah. But what it comes down to it is like, what do I need to know about this disclosure package? I have no idea how to read this thing. And right. that's when they need the agent for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I just thought that was an interesting article. That was my post today. I saw it, talked about it, released it, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. There's always something, you know, there's always something. How long does it take you to, you know, go online, find something interesting, read it, and then write up an editorial and create a blog post for your daily blog? Uh, I would say 60 to 90 minutes. And do you batch that? So you probably do like five posts in one day and then just two days you can chill out. No, I do it every morning. I, wow. I, I'm a, When you get to be my age, Sean, you know, when you're like 57 years old, the weirdest thing happens in the world is you wind up waking up at like 3.30 in the morning and just getting up. You just really? get up. It's like, and you're well, like oh. I might as well just get up. And you start, you know, I'm drinking coffee by 4 a.m. You know what I mean? And I just start looking for my you know, my, what am I going to talk about today? And then I just put it all together before anybody gets up. I'm done. Wow. That's amazing. And then do you do your daily podcast as well? Still? Yes. So video? yeah, yeah, of course. So that's at work. We go to the, I go to the office. That's the first thing we do at work is we knock out the national real estate post show. And mm-hmm. that surprisingly doesn't take very long. We, we do the same thing, scour some articles. Me and Brian will talk to each other about what we want to do. Brian writes the show. He loves to write the show and I wouldn't have it any other way because He's just got this crazy, cynical sense of humor, and he has just this just this incredible wealth of absolutely useless useless knowledge that that winds up being useful on 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 the show. And so uh, he's funny, and he and he loves to do it. So once we once we sink our teeth into a story, it only takes him maybe twenty twenty five minutes to write it, um, and we shoot it. You know, we get in front of the green screen and we shoot it and then, but we hand it off to an editor to, to edit. We, I was the editor for three years and then ever since then we've always had some, we've got a kid. It's actually Brian's son. He's 18 and, uh, he edits our show every day and we don't really give him a lot of direction. You just say, just make it interesting. And so now we've got this crazy weird vibe on our show. (laughs) That's just like, okay, whatever, but it's cool. Yeah. How long is every episode typically? About five to seven minutes. Okay. So you record for maybe 20 and then you cut to seven? It's scripted. So we record if, if, if we make a mistake, you know, we'll stop and take, you know, do it again or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, he just cuts it up and makes sure the mistakes are out of there. And, Got it. Uh, yeah, it's not like we are shooting the breeze. It's scripted. Okay. It's very okay. scripted. Yeah. And uh, after so many years of doing it, like when I read Brian's, script i know exactly the tone that he's trying to do and just i just we just get through it very fast it's really a pretty quick part of our day and it's been the heart of our business for 12 years yeah Yeah. so yeah so what else do you guys do for the rest of the day 
Uh, well, we sell our products. We have our technology product, right? We have Listing Booster and we have Keyboom, the TV channel. And those are products that we sell to mortgage and real estate people across the country. So uh, the rest of our day is really wrapped up in that. It's wrapped up in making the money, you know, making the money off of what the video uh, video podcast has delivered to us. You know, right. it, because of the video blog, we became partners in two uh, technology companies that are that are excellent. And the reason we became partners is because the people who own the products, their user is mortgage and real estate people. And we have all the eyeballs. They pay attention to us every single day. That's right. So they were like, they were like, hey, man, advert, you know, what can we pay you to advertise? And we said, you can pay us 50% of ownership in the product. That would be fine. And then, you know, so at one company, we're at 50%, one company, we're at 25%. But, you know, now we have ownership, but, but now we're into it. You know, I mean, now we're, we're hundred percent in, you know, I mean, it's not just an ad. We have advertisers too. I've got four advertisers on the, on the video blog that pay us annually to be there. Yeah. So you guys are doing this constant lead generation by just promoting this content, right? Yeah. Um, so then ultimately, do you guys, do you guys still prospect for, for leads or is it because you have such a big viewership that they all come to you and you're... Yeah, they come to us. Yeah. I mean, the show is the prospecting. That's right. I mean, the show is the prospecting. We open the show every day with our little mention of whoever our advertiser is. And then we go through the content, the value item, what's valuable to the viewer, right? And then at the end of it, we'll close it out with, hey, don't forget to buy our product. Or sometimes we open the show with, hey, don't forget about our product. It's really great. So the, the, the show is the vehicle. For the that is the prospecting. That's right. Oh, that's amazing. And that's that's what I'm doing on Back of the Real Estate News. It's the the content is the vehicle to get the attention, and but then on the front side and the back side of it is my call to action. Don't forget, I'm here to help you with real estate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that daily yeah. reminder, that daily ping. Oh yeah, I've seen this guy's yeah. face over and over and over again. Right. Right. And like ninety yeah. percent of it could go to your trash, but oh, that one you click on, oh, it's interesting. That's article. it. Who's yeah, it guy? just takes time. Yeah, it just takes time. You just got to do it every day. That's why I'm I'm looking forward to when on back of the real estate news a year from now. A year from now, I'll have thousands of subscribers in Vacaville, my hometown, subscribed to my real estate blog, who are going to be talking to me about real estate. It's just that's, that's right. what's that's what's going to happen. There's no way not to. So when they have a question, you're the guy, right? Because you're I'm the, the one guy. Everything. They're gonna know this Frank's great. We know him. He talks about real estate every day. He's always looking for hey Frank, help me out. That's the way it's gonna be. Because nice. they listen to me, they pay attention to me. Right. And that's what it's all about. Honestly, by having these kind of platforms, especially through voice or through video, they see you more often. And they right. think, Oh, this guy is like my friend. Because like I right. see and hear his voice over and over again. I know his personality. I like the way he works. Let's work with him. Yeah, it does. In fact, with us, me and Brian on the show, we've been doing it for so long. When we get flown around the country to do these trainings and stuff, dude, I'm not lying to you. We have had we have had people line up to take pictures with us because yeah, it's like yeah, I watch yeah. you every day. Yeah, I see you every day. You know what I mean? I can't believe I'm actually here with you. It's like cool, sure, <laughs> take a picture. You know, it's so funny. It's great. Nice, it's really nice. cool. Yeah. So, how are you distributing your your content? Like, do you just I saw you I saw your post on Facebook. Do you yes. have email blasts and whatnot? Yeah. What well, with, with the National Real Estate Post, it's the primary ways through email, believe it or not. And that's because it started in 2007. A lot of the social stuff wasn't very wasn't very happening at the time. Plus, my audience there is real estate and mortgage professionals who are still very email driven. 
right? They're still very, very email driven. So that that's primarily email. We do share it on social sites, Facebook, LinkedIn, right? Uh, with the national, uh, with the vacuum real estate news, though, my personal blog is a little different approach. Yes, I do have a, a, the ability for someone to subscribe to email, but I don't really pick up a lot of email subscribers. So what I do is, is I post into groups. So where you met me was in, I think it was the Bay Area Investors Group. I post into groups. So what I did is I would search real estate uh, focused groups on Facebook in my, you know, in a pretty big footprint, probably about a 50, 60 mile footprint of Vacaville. And I found all these groups and I joined them all, right? And they let you in there. Well, these are people that I know are going to have an inkling, you know, this group is something, has something to do with real estate, right? Or in Vacaville, since I'm very focused on Vacaville, I have what's happening in Vacaville, you know, a speak on at Vacaville, Vacaville crime and community. These are just groups about the city of Vacaville. In Vacaville alone, the total group membership that I have in my groups is probably 80,000, 90,000. So by me posting into these groups, right? So I make my blog post, then I just go and share it into groups. I just share it into these groups every day. I share into like 15 groups, right? And it's all there. And then I'm exposing myself to those 80, 90,000 people who some are going to click it and read it and comment. Oh, the other thing I do is just so you know, this might be useful for you. I don't know, or whoever's listening who might be thinking about blogging. And I got to get going pretty quick here, just so you know. But um uh, the other thing you do is to be really effective at it is when you share into the groups, uh, if anybody likes it or does a little reaction face or makes a comment immediately and, you know, Facebook lets you know somebody liked it. Somebody, so I fly over there. I click on the like. I can see who it is. I can quickly figure out if they're an agent or if they're a consumer. You know what I mean? I don't want to talk to the agents. I talk to the consumers. So if it's a consumer, I just I friend them immediately and I shoot them an instant, uh, an IM and I say, Hey, thanks for like, liking my post on pot bank, pot banking and real estate. Right. I appreciate it a lot. Just let you know, I sell real estate. If you have any, need any help or have any questions regarding real estate, let me know I'm here to help. Boom. So that's what I, that's where the real interaction comes in. I've picked up, you know, I've only been doing it not even a month and picked up, picked up two leads already doing it that way. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. And, do you feel like, I mean, so I feel bad if I did that because I would feel like I'm spamming even though I'm creating value. So yeah, I was wondering, you know, how do you get over that fear of, I guess, rejection? Because when I post on groups that I'm not like the moderator of, I feel like I'm spamming like by posting my podcast over and over again. No, I wouldn't feel bad about that at all because your podcast provides value. I mean, you're providing value. I mean, at the end of the day, they don't have to like it. They don't have to look at it, but it's not like you're just saying, buy something from me. You're saying, hey, I've got something you might be interested in here, something of value. Oh, and by the way, I flip homes. You know what I mean? It, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't feel that way at all. And, and well, and to tell you the truth, I have had somebody say, this feels like an advertisement. And then somebody says, because it is, right? I've had that happen. And I replied to him and I go, hey, sorry, you feel that way. But actually, I write all these myself, I put my heart and soul into it. I just provide something I think is valuable. You know, I do mention that I sell real estate. Sorry if it offended you, but, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. And then I always get like a happy face back or, you know what I mean? Or, oh, it's cool. You know what I mean? You can diffuse it fast if something comes up because you're not, I mean, am I trying to say I sell real estate? Yeah, I am. I mean, come on. If I'm not going to help myself, nobody is, right? But I'm providing some information that's interesting. If it wasn't interesting, they wouldn't have clicked on it. They wouldn't have read it. They wouldn't have known, you know, that I'm, I'm, I sell real estate and, called me, you know, an advertiser, but for the most part, I've had no problem. I've not got kicked off any group. 
I've not had one admin say, hey, stop doing this. I think the admins appreciate it because it's actually good content getting thrown onto their into their group. Yeah, making the yeah. group more lively too. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's not it's not just a blatant sales pitch. It's genuine information. Here's some right. information, you know. So, so for my last question to you, from all your years of doing this, what are some of the key lessons learned that you learned from being in the industry? You know, the only thing that I would say is I think consistency is true no matter what we do. And I don't care if you're flipping homes or making podcasts. If you don't consistently do the things you need to do every day to be successful at it, you're not going to be successful at it. And I would say the the most important thing to do uh, would be to make sure you know what you need to do every day, what those items are, and that you do them every day. And if you can do that, then you're going to win. I mean, it's then it'll all pan out in the end. It could take time, right? But um, nothing that's awesome happens overnight. You know, nothing awesome happens overnight. Unless you hit the lotto. Then something awesome happened overnight. But, but hopefully you're consistently buying those <laughs> tickets, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. You better be buying them every day. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today. How can people get in contact with you? Uh, well, you know, I would just encourage people to go to my my new blog, you know, either the national real estate post.com where you see the, the national show. Or uh, go to my Vacaville Real Estate News site, which is VV, which is Victor Victor, R-E, like realestatenews.com. So VVRENews.com. You can I'm there every day. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show. Hey, man, I really appreciate it. Best of luck to you out there and great stuff. All right. Thanks. Take care. See you, bud. Here are some of the key takeaways I got from speaking to Frank. Consistency is key. Produce content on a consistent basis and add value to people's lives. To have an unlimited supply of things to write or talk about, create a Twitter account and follow popular blogs about your topic. Find an interesting article and editorialize it. If you keep producing content and adding value, you'll be seen as the guy or the girl of the industry and people will start coming to you when they have questions. Once you have the eyeballs on you, the possibilities are endless. Hope you all learned a lot. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.